Good morning. Uh, my name is Kyle. For those of you who might have forgotten me, it's, it's been a little bit since I've been here. Uh, we had camp, and then uh, Lauren and I went on vacation, and then we had the uh, mission trip, which was awesome, to South Dakota. We were edified and uplifted, and I hope we did a lot of good work for that congregation. I think we did. If you haven't heard about that, I'd encourage you to Uh, talk to me, or even better, talk to one of the kids that were there and ask them about it, because it was a great time and something that I hope we can do again in the future. Uh, I think Keith might have not announced it, but tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow evening at 7, we're hosting the area-wide teen gathering here at Southern Ridge. Um, I think we have plenty of money for food, um, so don't need any more of that, but we'd love for you to come and join us and um, hopefully be encouraged by all the youth that come and gather and uh, want to worship and, and learn about God and then fellowship afterward. Uh, as I said, it's been a while since I've been here, and so for this lesson, I hope that it's something that causes us to reflect inwardly. That's something that we need to do often. Look at our own lives and look at how it's measuring up with where God wants it to be. And so um, I want to start by asking, um, what is your focus? What are your priorities in life? And in fact, I'd like us to do an exercise. If you have uh, a pen and a piece of paper or a pencil or whatever, I'd encourage you to write out a list. Um, one, two, three, four, maybe even five things. If you don't, you can do this in your mind, or if you just don't want to, that's fine too. Um, I'd encourage you to write out um, a list of your priorities. What are your priorities in your life? What are the most important things to you? I don't think this is something we do very often. I'm going to talk, but I'd encourage you to be writing that list as I talk. I don't think we list our priorities uh, in a, a hierarchical way, in a hierarchy very often. I don't know if that's hierarchical. I don't know if that's a word, but I don't know if we list them that often like that, but it's something that we need to do. What is more important than other things? In talking to Russ about this lesson the past couple days, because I wanted to approach it the right way, he pointed something out to me that I hadn't thought of. You know, church is going to be at the top of your list right now because um, your priorities are affected by your current circumstances. So church, God, things like that are going to be at the top of your list, but I'd encourage you to do this even in the middle of the week on a Tuesday afternoon um, when you just got home from work and you're tired. What are your priorities then? Um, Some things you might see on your list, maybe families up there. Um, Some of you might not get this reference, but maybe you're like Vin Diesel's character Dom from the Fast and the Furious movies. You're all about family. You care immensely about your family. Those that are closest to you, your, your, your closest relatives, you love them, you have that agape love, you, you do anything for them. Maybe somewhere on your list are friends. Um, you care a lot about those people you have uh, in common with, uh, your closest friends. You do anything for them, you drop anything to go and help them. Perhaps work is somewhere on your list. Um, you're, you're probably at work eight hours a day. Maybe you're up 16 hours and you get eight hours of sleep. I know not everybody has that perfect schedule, but if you do, that means that half of the day that you're awake, a third of your day overall, you're at work. So maybe work is a priority to you. You want to be the best employee you can. Uh, maybe you want to get a promotion. Maybe you own your own business and you want your business to flourish and thrive and reflect positively on you and your family. So maybe work is a priority for you. Maybe it's sports. Um, For those that are younger playing in sports, sports is one of your priorities. I know for me, growing up, if you asked me what's my priority, number one on that list would have been baseball. That was what I did. Maybe that's not the best thing, but that was my priority growing up. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's not even playing sports. Maybe it's watching sports. You always have your phone and you need to know what the scores are. Um, you, You always need to be there for that big game to watch it on TV or go watch it in person. Maybe it's along with that entertainment. 
Um, you're worried about getting entertainment. You have the TV on all the time. You have your phone in your pocket. You want to be entertained. Maybe it's relaxation. You get home from a long day at work, and that's a priority for you. Um, relaxing, re- recouping. Um, perhaps, as I mentioned earlier, church is somewhere on that list. Your spiritual family, um, the people that, that love you here that you're around today. And then ultimately, I hope it's at the top of your list, but God should be somewhere on your priority list. Um, I, I don't want to downplay the importance of those things. Uh, this isn't going to be one of those lessons where we talk about priorities, and I tell you that you're not allowed to have any priorities but God and his church, and if you do anything outside of that, then you're wrong, because that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, if you don't have a job, how are you going to make money? How are you going to provide for yourself? Those things are necessary. Um, so it's not going to be that kind of lesson. I simply want to look at our priorities— And I want us to think about what the most important things in our lives currently are and what the most important things in our lives should be. In order to do this, I want to look at the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew chapter 6. And um, at the end of this uh, chapter, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about anxiety. He's talking about being worried about um, food, what you're going to eat, where your food's going to come from. Being worried about clothing, what you're going to wear, making sure that you look nice. Um, those being your priorities. And he uses uh, four illustrations to get across that you don't need to be anxious about these things. He starts off by talking about birds. Um, This is in 25 through uh, 34. He talks about the birds and how um, the birds don't have uh, barns or storehouses. They don't put their food anywhere, yet they eat every day, don't they? God provides for them, so God's going to provide for you. Um, Then he talks about not being able to add a span to your life, an illustration to put that into perspective. Um, No amount of worry is going to add anything good to your life. It's not going to make you live any longer. He talks about the lilies of the field, and he compares them to Solomon. You know, Solomon had all these riches. He looked uh, marvelous when he was dressed up, and yet he, he couldn't hold a candle to the lilies of the field. He wasn't even half as beautiful, and God clothes them. God makes them look beautiful, so why are you worried about what you're going to wear? And then he ends in verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. He uses the Gentiles as an example. See, the Gentiles, he's talking to Jews, so the Gentiles are those that are without God, those that don't have God. And the Gentiles are worried about those things. They don't have God. Why are you worried about those things? You have God behind you. And so the second half of verse 32 in chapter 6 of Matthew, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. See, God knows what you need. You don't need to be anxious about those things because God knows. And then he gets into verse 33. I needed to set up that context for you so you could understand what Jesus is talking about. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Everything in your life is going to fall into line. The things that you're worried about, um, food, clothing, whatever it is, it's all going to fall into line if you're willing to seek first the kingdom of God and to seek first his righteousness. And so that's what I want to talk about today. What is your focus? If your focus is not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it needs to be, and we're going to elaborate on what that means. So what is your focus? Our first focus needs to be on the kingdom of God. Our number one priority should be the kingdom of God. Before we begin getting into that, though, we need to talk about that word seek that Jesus uses. Seek first the kingdom of God. This is an active word. It's something that you're going around and you're looking for it in every place you go. Everywhere you look, you're looking for the kingdom of God. I like to imagine it like um, if you've ever lost your wallet before or your phone or your keys. I know we've all experienced that, that little um, second of panic that sets in and we start looking everywhere for it because we're in a hurry. We need to get out the door, but we can't find it. 
Um, Lauren and I went on vacation a couple weeks ago with her family, and her family likes to leave at ridiculous times for vacation. We left at three in the morning to drive all the way to Alabama. Um, After a couple hours, I woke up and we stopped at a McDonald's. I got breakfast or something, went back to sleep, woke up a couple hours later, and we were at a gas station, and I wanted to buy a drink. And I could not find my wallet anywhere. It wasn't where I thought I left it. And I, I mean, started freaking out. I told Lauren's mom, we need to go back. I left it at McDonald's, which it probably wouldn't have been there if I had. Um, I, was, I was freaking out. I was looking for it everywhere. I was tearing the car up, not literally, but I mean, I was looking everywhere that I could to find my wallet. It's something that I care about, something that's precious to me. When we're seeking the kingdom of God and we're seeking his righteousness, it's something that's precious to us. We're looking for it everywhere we go. In every situation, we're trying to find it. So seeking is an active thing. That's something that I need you to understand. If you're going to focus on the kingdom of God and you're going to focus on his righteousness, you have to be willing to look for them everywhere in your life. So to begin, we need to focus on the kingdom of God. I remember when I first got um, my my Lincoln MKX, my car that I have, um, and I'd never noticed a single Lincoln MKX on the road in my entire life. Maybe you've experienced that. When you get a new car, you start to notice that same car everywhere that it is on the road. Every time someone's driving that same make and model, you notice it. Um, When you're looking for the kingdom of God, you're going to start to notice it a whole lot more. It's going to be like that. It's going to pop up everywhere in your life because hopefully it is everywhere in your life. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, what is Jesus referring to? A lot of people have the belief that anytime the word kingdom is mentioned, that it's referring to the church. And the church is a valid kingdom that Jesus talks about all the time, but I don't necessarily know if that's what he's talking about here. Um, The word kingdom, I like to look at context, and the word kingdom is used throughout the Sermon on the Mount. But typically, Jesus says it's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those that are poorest in this world are going to receive the most most expensive thing, the, the greatest thing, the kingdom of heaven, the thing that's worth the most. So it's talking about heaven, not necessarily um, the kingdom of God that we're talking about here. But even though that phrase kingdom of God isn't used another time in the Sermon on the Mount, besides in 633, if we look over at um, Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, he actually does mention it. Um, He says, don't pray like the hypocrites. They're standing up there and they're praying and they're trying uh, to show off. They want people to to see how great they are. He's going to teach his disciples how to pray. In verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he addresses God and he praises God and glorifies God. Verse 10, your kingdom come. Whose kingdom? God's kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God and how we should want it to come. Well, what is the kingdom of God here? He's going to elaborate in the next verse. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is God's kingdom? What is the kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about? It's God's will being done. It's God reigning in our life as our king. When we decide to be Christians, um, we say, I believe Jesus is the son of God. You're saying, I believe that Jesus is worthy to be the king of my life. I want him to be the one that has the crown. I want him to be my master. I'm going to do what he says. The kingdom of God is God ruling in your life. If we're seeking first the kingdom of God, once again, you're looking for it everywhere. You have to have what I'm going to call the kingdom mindset. You're striving to see God. You're striving to see his will. You're striving to see his kingdom throughout your life. How do you do that? Well, what's an example of striving to see the kingdom of God in everything? Um, I think Philippians 4.13 is a great verse that can show us that. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus is, or Paul's not talking about 
um, winning baseball games. God's not going to help you do that. That's not what he's referring to. He says, I can be, I've been content in all circumstances. Paul said, I've had a lot. I've had little. I've had somewhere to sleep. I've slept outside. I can be content in all circumstances. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How could Paul do that? Well, the answer is Paul had a kingdom mindset. The first thing he was seeking was the kingdom of God, and he could see how his situations, his circumstances that he was in were benefiting God and his kingdom. And so he said, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. So if we want to focus on the kingdom of God, we have to have that kingdom mindset. See his will being done in our lives. And that's something that's going to take practice. It's not going to be easy, but we need to be able to see God working in our lives. And in doing that, in order to do that, uh, let's move on to the next point. We need to focus on his righteousness, on the his righteousness. That's, sorry about that. We need to focus on his righteousness. What is the definition of righteousness? You know, that's a word that we use all the time. We say um, righteous. Surfer dudes say righteous all the time. What do they mean by that? Well, what does righteousness mean? Webster's Dictionary said morally right or justifiable. That's the definition I could find. I think a better definition is doing what's right in God's sight. I know it rhymed. That makes it easy to remember. Doing what's right in God's sight. Do you guys remember, I'm sure you do, the bracelets that said WWJD that people wore all the time? What was the purpose of those? Maybe it lost its purpose and people just wore it because they thought it was cool. But the purpose was I'm interacting with somebody and maybe they're not treating me well. And I look down and I see this bracelet and my, my thought should be, well, what would Jesus do in this, in this circumstance? If we want to be righteous like God, do what's right in his sight, we need to be like Jesus. Jesus showed us righteousness. The way he interacted with people, the things that he taught, that's what's right in the sight of God. And so I think those bracelets are, are an example of um, what it, the mindset we need to have if we want to be righteous. What would Jesus do? How would God want me to act in this circumstance? The word righteousness is a Greek word, dikaiosune. Um, the word righteous is used other times, but the word righteousness in and of itself is used seven times in the Gospel of Matthew. Five of those seven times are in the Sermon on the Mount. So it's, it's a big focus of the Sermon on the Mount. Righteousness is one of Jesus' focuses. And so if we want to understand righteousness, we need to understand the context that Jesus is using it in. And so since he used it so much, uh, the way that I want to end this lesson is I want to go to those places where Jesus uses the word righteousness and see what we can learn about righteousness from it. So uh, if you want to turn over to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Righteousness is something that you hunger and you thirst for. It's something that you seek out because you need it. When you're hungry, when you're thirsty, you need food, you need water in order to survive. When are you not hungry? When are you not thirsty? Uh, The answer is when you're either sick or if you're dead. Those are the times that you're never going to be hungry or thirsty. So we need to be those that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness because if we're not hungering and thirsting, if it's not something that we crave that we need to survive— then we are either spiritually sick or we are spiritually dead if we're not hungering for those things. We need to hunger and thirst for it. It's something that we absolutely must have. So righteousness is something that we hunger and we thirst for. Jesus uses that word again in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Sometimes doing what's right in God's sight isn't what's right in the sight of the world. Um, I'm sure you've seen that in your lifetime. If you haven't, you will. 
the world doesn't see things the way that God does. And uh, persecution is going to arise because of that. It might, or, or it's going to if it hasn't already. Uh, it did for the first century church, and I can give you an example of something that um, persecution may arise for in the future if we're doing what's right in the sight of God. Um, it's not a topic that we, we love to talk about, but homosexuality we know is wrong. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. In Romans 1, Paul says that it's unnatural. And so we know that that's wrong in the sight of Paul and, and in turn in the sight of God. That's something that um, righteousness would say we need to stand against. But the, what does the world say about it? The world says it's normal, that it's natural, that we need to let people do what they want. So what does righteousness mean? It means that we stand against what the world says. Um, we, we stand firm in our belief, and even though the world disagrees with us and the world might come and persecute us and try and shut down our churches for standing up for God's truth, for trying to be righteous like him, that's okay. Persecution's going to arise but we'll make it through it if we're trying to be righteous. We'll get the kingdom of heaven is what he says here in verse 10. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So righteousness is something we hunger and we thirst for. Righteousness is something that we might be persecuted for. If you go down to verse 20, which I think is a key verse of the Sermon on the Mount, I think this is what Jesus is really trying to get across. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Your righteousness has to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. These people thought they looked righteous, and we might look righteous on the outside, but how do we look to God? Do we look holy in the sight of God? The Pharisees looked righteous to others, but how did they really look to God? Notice what he says, the, the, the way that he says this in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not our righteousness. It's not about us looking righteous it's about looking like him, looking like his righteousness, doing what he says is right. And that's where the Pharisees were missing. And that's what Jesus is going to do through the rest of this sermon. He's going to use verses that they would say, um, if you keep these verses, you're righteous. You can get angry. You can say whatever you want. You can be rude. In verse 21, as long as you don't murder, you'll be fine. You'll be righteous. And so Jesus is taking all these things to another level and saying, your righteousness has to be even more than theirs. So righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. It has to be the righteousness of God. And then there's one more in chapter 6 and verse 1, and I think this really drives it home. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Righteousness is something that's private. It's not something that you do. You're not righteous in order to be glorified or praised by other people. Righteousness is a private thing. The question we need to ask ourselves is, I might be righteous here, I might be righteous at church, but am I righteous when I'm alone at home in my bedroom and nobody knows except for God? Am I righteous at that time too? Um, that's a question that we all have to answer for ourselves. And if the answer is no, then I'd encourage you uh, to switch your focus. Your, your focus is, is um, not where it should be. Your focus should be on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I want you to look at your list again, or if you didn't write it out, think about that list. How does it match up with what we just talked about, with God and his kingdom? How does your list match up? Are you focused on his kingdom and his righteousness? Do you have a mindset where you're looking for the kingdom of God in everything going on in your life? Do you have a mindset where you're trying to find his righteousness to look like him, to be righteous like him in everything that you do? Every situation you come across, you're saying, 
how would Jesus respond to this? How would God want me to respond to this? If the answer is no, then maybe those priorities need to be shifted a little bit. It's not bad uh, to play sports, to have your job, but when you're at work, you should be thinking, how do I need to interact with customers? I need to be honest. I need to be hardworking because that's what God would want. When you're playing sports, you need to be a good competitor, not somebody that's rude, not somebody who cheats. Um, We could go on and on down our list of priorities. The way we deal with our families, the way we deal with our friends, um, the entertainment that we uh, put in front of ourselves, all of those things are going to fall in line if we're willing to put our priorities where they should be. If number one on that list is God's kingdom and his righteousness, everything else is going to fall in line. So this morning... Um, if those aren't your priorities, if, if the kingdom of God and his righteousness weren't number one on your list, if, if God, uh, maybe you put it like that and you, you all encompass that, if that wasn't number one on your list, I'd encourage you to switch around your priorities a little bit because God needs to be number one, his kingdom and his righteousness. So this morning, if you need to come forward, we'd love to study with you more so you could learn more about it. Um, we'd love to pray with you uh, that God will give you wisdom to see his will in this world, to see his kingdom Um, that God will give you strength. We'd love to pray with you and and try and help you through whatever we can. Uh, Maybe this morning you want to be added to his kingdom. Um, You haven't seen his kingdom yet because you haven't even become a part of it. We'd love to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in order for you to receive the forgiveness of your sins. Um, We want you to have a clean conscience, just like we see in Acts 2, verse 38 and 1 Peter 3, 21. And the only way to do that is to be obedient to God. That's what his righteousness looks like, is obedience to him, and a mindset that wants to be like him. So if you have a need this morning, um, we'd love to assist you in any way. Um, You can come forward or you can come to us after, and we'd love to help you um, while we let's stand and let's sing.